Hi, I'm Jason, the creator of The Grey Rooms. Before we begin this week's nightmare, I wanted to take the time to mention our Patreon and our patrons. We are a second-year podcast with the ability to pay our talent and authors for their contributions. We wouldn't be able to do this without the support of those patrons. We are so very grateful for the support we've received from all of you. We also want to take this time to extend our appreciation to all of you who have taken the time to leave us five-star ratings and reviews. Thank you. It truly helps us to reach out and help grow the podcast even more. So again, thank you so much for that. If you find that you enjoy the content created here at The Grey Rooms, just know we're streaming for free on Spotify. So you can just search The Grey Rooms in the app or in the search bar on their website. Boom, there you go. And enjoy. Let those who enjoy good horror story from now and then know that we are here to take a few minutes of sleep from them each week. <laughs> if you would like to support this podcast through a one-time donation, please find the link in our show notes below. Again, thank you for giving us your ear tonight. Our patrons are the reason why this is possible. If you would also like to possibly consider becoming a patron, head over to patreon.com forward slash the gray rooms today and find the tier that is for you and join the team of our wonderful patrons to get some really cool rewards. Rewards such as early releases of episodes, videos of behind the scene narrations and artwork demos, tier related show swag, and much more. We're always working to make it that much more of an experience for our patrons. Patrons like Kelly Bear, Amy Nikolai, Arthur Runk, Brooks Bigley, Elizabeth Dowell, Isabel Diedrichs, Jason Porras, Kathleen Clyde, Michael Velez, Patrick Stewart, and the original Nick. Thank you again so very much for your support. We really, truly appreciate it. And now, without further ado, let's move on to the episode. You awake. The elevator is small and cramped. There is a strange old man. He's mumbling. You hear a ding, and he forces you out. You're lost. You have no memory of this place. How did you get here? Where are you? It doesn't matter. Because now, you belong to the Grey Rooms. Season 2, Episode 8. I send you this recording in the hope that someone, anyone, might be able to help the help. I've been dreading the day. They say the Greyfriars route is cursed. Tickets? They built the station over a corner of the old Kirkyard. Kirkyard. It was pitch black when my alarm buzzed at 4 a.m. Occasionally someone boards, but never gets off. Riding the Greyfriars train is a bit like exposure to carbon monoxide. Before you know it, you've succumbed. The conductor entered from a neighbouring carriage dressed in a neatly pressed uniform. It weighed heavily on my mind as I walked up the hill to Manchester Piccadilly in the icy drizzle. It was the face of the newly dead. Of the newly dead. Next stop, Greyfriars Kirkyard. At the risk of sounding superstitious, be careful, lad. 
I was a little early, but persuaded the old guy behind the counter to make me a bacon sandwich and a coffee. You'll be getting the first train to Greyfriars then. Turning me to face my reflection in the blackened window. Not a fan of trains. Can't you hear him, Todd? Begging for help. He's out there. Somewhere. Still on that train. Well, billions are crying out for help. Some are afraid for their lives. Some just want to win that scratch-off lorry ticket. <laughs> you can't listen to them, you know. I told you before, it will drive you mad. I hate this place. What the hell did you do yesterday, Todd? When the elevator was broken? Watched him fixed it. <laughs> Kept chatting away, you know. Oh, oh and I, I reinvented that kid's game, you know, in the car. Um, uh, is it fixed yet? Is it fixed yet now? How about now? Drove him right mad. You're very good at driving me insane, Todd, so I believe it. You love me, Samantha. I'm waiting for you to one day have a horror story with me in it. Wouldn't that be fun? You'd be standing up for all that's right with the world. And me, you will. You would be getting off to it. Yeah, I get it. Now, I hope you know that I wouldn't be doing that. I told you, Samantha, that that's a show. I, I respect what you're doing around here. Keeping your wits about you and fighting the good fight. I think, I think it's a waste of time, of course. And honestly, I hated your type in the world, but being here as, as long as I have, it, it's, it's nice. Well, anyway, do me a favour and get the hell out before you make me hate myself for saying that. I think... I think I'm actually getting somewhere with Todd. Wow. He actually gave me a compliment. I know I shouldn't really feel happy about some weirdo supporting me, but... I kind of do. I have to figure out how to get out of here. And remember more about what I did in that cult. I wonder if Bob would just give me a hint. Might as well ask him. Like this before me? The mother of Christopher. 
Hello again, Samantha. As you can see, we fixed the elevator. I didn't know the warden was going to chase after you like that. And I also didn't know those stairs were in a terrible state of repair. I apologize for everything. Somehow, Bob, I think you were trying to teach me a lesson. Oh? You don't want me to be like that other person. Raymond, was it? <sighs> I told you. It would be in your best interest to avoid mentioning that man to me. <laughs> you said the same thing to me. You think we're all shit. Technically, he finished that statement. But he proved the statement. And what about me? You honestly think I'm a piece of shit? You think I'm evil? Bob? What did I do? I don't remember. What did the church do to me? What did I do in it? What is it that you think I know, Samantha? You know what I did. You know what that Raymond guy did. You know what Todd and... <sighs> Look, you know everything that goes on in this place. And you're making our lives a living hell because of it. Can't you just tell me something? I don't make the rules, Samantha. Do you think you are a better person than you were before? I don't care. That doesn't mean a thing to me. I once thought maybe it did. But for me to just, what, go on and on, believing in idiots like you and Raymond and Todd, and discovering that you'll all just fail again and again. No, I'm not like you. I don't have such weaknesses. You might be earnest, Samantha, but you're already dead. You lived that one life. It's over. And now, you just suffer. That is honesty, Samantha. That is all I can give you. So this is hell. What did I do? Bob, please, you have to- You have flashbacks. Go find out yourself. You told me there was a way out of here if I chose the right door. Did you lie to me? Is there a right door? Where does it take me? Heaven? Samantha, I don't sit behind this desk to answer all of your questions. That's why I put Todd in the elevator, so you'd bother him with your ever-so-human desire for friendship and camaraderie. But he doesn't know everything that you do. That's right. Which makes things a lot less complicated for me. Still, I did feel that the warden chasing you wasn't exactly... fair. Especially with you being injured and all, and trying to get up all of those stairs in the dark. So I figured I'd answer your questions this one time. <sighs> one last thing, Bob. Do you record everything on those audio cassettes? Yes. Even this conversation? Yes. Hmm. Hi, Bob. It's Sam. How are you doing? What are you doing, Samantha? Look, Bob. I guess you're listening to this to review how everything went down. Maybe I did some super bad things. Maybe I didn't. But I just want you to know, people aren't bad. Maybe I'm in hell, sure. But there are so many people that aren't. Good people. People that aren't just thinking about themselves. People that are giving and supporting and love each other. So, if I'm in hell, screw it. I didn't let that get me down. <laughs> I gave it my best damn shot. And I feel sorry for you. Because you sound like a really jaded, grumpy bastard. I'm sorry about Raymond. I'm sorry about everything that hurt you. And this one time you decided to talk to me, I'm really happy that you did. So just remember that. Oh, and you're not so bad at haiku. Thanks, Bob. Oh, and if you're listening to this with a new person, Hi! Your life is pretty much screwed, but don't give up, okay? Okay. Are you done now? Yeah. I just wanted to leave you something. You know, 
For moments like when I came up and you were sulking and listening to that Raymond guy. I wasn't sulking. I know your creepy face doesn't really cry, but I saw some feels there, buddy. <sighs> Get out of here. I have to delete your obnoxious recording. Maybe you should go and think further on what you've done before coming back to die. Really? You're just going to delete all that hard work I just did for you. Man, to think if I bought you flowers. Go away. Yes, sir. I think I used to sit beside a fountain just like this at the mall. Sometimes I'd draw people. An entire shopping mall full of people, but the fountain sound would just turn them all off. Yeah. Oh, it was so easy to just draw the scenery in front of me that way. I miss those days. I... John, your worshippers are waking up bright and early to see you. Oh, they can wait. Huh. I woke up early to see you, too. You going to make me wait, too, honey? Ow! That's a sin. <laughs> you want to punish me? Mm. <laughs> 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 oh, damn it. Ah, <sighs> shall I be punished later, Pope Hicks? Don't you start, Samantha. This is why I didn't want to get up. I'm coming. Who is it? Davis. We got a situation. You need help, John? Go and get dressed. Join the other wives. If I need you, I'll call for you. You ever finish what you start, John? Damn it. Whatever. Don't get married, Davis. How do you control them, Hicks? Same way I control everything around here. But honestly, my dick's gonna fall off if I keep this up. You saved me. So, you want to tell me what the problem is? Senator's son. He, he wants her. Who? Samantha. Promises all the funding we want. Just wants to stuff it in her. Ah, shit. Maybe I should just pawn them all and find new ones. What the hell did you just say? <laughs> oh, shit. to your eye? Did someone do that to you? Oh, um, hi, uh, oh, fine, it's nothing, Samantha. Don't worry about that, I'm, I'm fine. You? Oh, well, all right. Um, oh, how am I? Great! Oh, you were the best for inviting me here. Did I ever say thank you? I mean, so much has happened. I wish... <clears throat> How's your husband? John? Oh, he's been so busy. Politicians are calling on us, and many have been joining. He's been running around, the poor guy. Can you believe we're spreading across the entire country now? It's insane. But exciting! 
America really needs those job centers we keep putting up. That's great. What have you been doing, though? Do you get to do any art? Oh, Jackie. You're so sweet, you know that? But no. That, you know, I... I just had to face it. That was kid stuff. I'm an adult now. I know... Look, I know you supported me in college. I really appreciated that then, and I still do, Jackie. I really do. But I'm just doing more important things now. And I feel great. I really understand why they say God is good, God is great now. I'm making a difference. A real damn difference. Yeah, it sounds like it. I just never pictured you being... Like, you know, someone to share someone? All those wives. It's gotta be weird. Mm, it's not. He makes time for me. And he has a place for me in the hierarchy, you know? I'm telling you, Jackie, it's not boring. It's really rewarding. And when I do get to spend time with him, it's so good. Like, Damn. God is good. God is great, Jackie. Yeah, I'm happy for you. So, what are you doing right now? Do you want to get lunch together? Maybe see a movie? No, I I have to get to work. But I'll take a rain check, alright? I promise, Jackie. We'll get together soon. Alright. I'll... I'll hold you to that, Sam. I miss you. I miss you so much. Sometimes I wish I never... I don't want to take up your time. Be careful, okay? That's so cute that you're worried about me. But honestly, I'll be okay. I'm so glad we were able to see each other again, Jackie. And I swear, we'll get to do that movie and everything soon. I miss you too. Uh... Jackie, don't be weird. I told you I'll be okay. I'll see you later, alright? Take care. Yeah. Okay. Probably because you're human. They do that a lot around here. No! I saw... I saw myself as one of that bastard's many wives. I saw my friend try to... Try to talk to me, and... I saw myself hellbent on... On... I think... I was... Going to have relations with... What did he call it? Ah... The Senator's son. For money, yes? Why? You were going to attack him, and then... Well, things were very different. Hold on. How's this? The words were a spell, powerful in their own right. Cannot disappear. I am not in the mood, Bob. I'm pissed! You wanted to know what was lying in the past. You called me horrible, remember? You were quite upset with me, and tried to turn what I said around, but mine still stands. You did bad things. It wasn't my fault! Ah, there lies the rub. Whose fault was it? The church leaders? Jackie's? Yours for not getting out of there? Maybe your parents for pushing you to look elsewhere for respect and meaning in the world around you. Maybe... Maybe none of this happened. Maybe you created it. Maybe I'm just living these delusions. No. Sadly, I had nothing to do with your previous life, Samantha. The horrible mistakes made by you and others are yours and theirs alone. Now, it's time to choose a room. 
I'd rather do that than live like this. I'm so angry. I want to... I want to strangle you, Bob. Can I strangle you? Can I kill you? You can try, but I'd most likely just throw you into whatever room I pick. It complicates things. Questions are asked. Like why I picked certain rooms. It's very annoying. So, I have a room for you involving a teddy bear and its favorite human. And a story about two young adults trying to figure out a mystery about a child's disappearance when they were kids. The main character... Is a teddy bear? Yes. I don't buy it. It's dangerous. I'll take the Nancy Drew horror room. I see. All right. I'll need your signature. That will be room 1127. Down. Down? That's what it's called. Here is your key. Have a good night, Miss Winters. I'm technically married, I guess. You died. You technically aren't. That's a goddamn relief. I can't believe that piece of shit. Um, I already told you. This is why I have Todd in the elevator. You can whine to him before you die. Right, I'm just so... I don't care, Samantha. Run along. I got a room, Todd. Yay. Well, that doesn't sound like you. I'm really pissed. My life was shit, I wanted to be happy, and I joined a cult. And every little bit I found out about it just makes it worse. Sounds like you need to jump into some sorry sack of shit and die horribly, eh? Yeah, sounds good. It'll take the pain away for a bit. So what kind of adventure have we got today? Down. Sorry, love. We only go up at this part of our fun little adventure. No, that's what the room's called. Down. Oh. Oh, well, all right then. <laughs> Down it is. Up we go. You're never going to get tired of making lame jokes. Moods can change like the weather. Charming sun can break through swollen clouds before the rain. Everyone fleeing indoors. I'd frequently watched Fran storm late into the studio, giving the teacher hell one moment, sending me a cheeky little smile the next. Changing emotion more often than costume. But we were meant to be dramatic. It supposedly came with the territory. The afternoon had been different. Seeing a typecast actor playing a radically different part, the family movie comedian in a violent role, the childhood superstar now all grown up and cavorting on screen in her underwear, creates such dissonance. The audience can refuse the fantasy. That emotional discord had thrummed in me. Leaving class and finding Fran crying in the corridor, she never cried. This was an actor playing an ill-conceived part. In the hours of darkness, the playground had also adopted a different character. Both our mothers had brought us here as children, little Steve and Franny, playing together on a blanket and eating sandwiches. In later years, Fran would hang around on the swings with the girls. I'd toss a football around with the guys. 
the playground always had a few kids around, shouting and laughing, whizzing through the air on the flying fox, or demanding lazy dads to push me, push me. I'd never been here this late. My parents warned against gangs after dark. Not that our small town had enough people to form gangs. They could drive in. The moon hovered just below the tall trees that separated the park from the main road, casting the skeletal play equipment in a pale glow. The giant slide lorded over its preschool brethren, the scaffold three stories high, the slide itself curving down to the ground. The radiance of the moon reflecting off the wide, metallic tube They'd dismantled the lower staircase years ago for safety reasons. A little boy got seriously hurt one year, but still, it remained standing. I sat on the thick belt of a swing seat, the heat of the summer day stored in the black rubber, grabbing the chains and with a gentle kick against the sand, I set an easy momentum. No laughter and shouts at this hour. Fran had messaged, said to meet her here. I pulled out my phone to check one more time. She's running away, I thought, because of those drunken assholes her equally drunk mom had brought into her life. I knew it would be Fran's stepbrother. Perhaps he'd finally made his move on the new little sister. Fran always swore he'd never laid a finger on her, but the way he looked at her, she can't be leaving. She hasn't even finished school yet. How far can you get on an unfinished drama diploma? Perhaps she's asking to come and live with me. <laughs> now, there's a thought. A dark figure emerged, stomping between the seesaw and the cable climbing frame. I slowed my breath, trying to be chill as she arrived. Hey, she said, stepping onto the sand. The evening was reluctant to give up the heat of the day. I wondered how she could stand it in long shorts and a hoodie. She clutched something by her shoulder, possibly a strap. My fears of her running away surfaced again. Had she packed a bag? Hey, thought you weren't going to turn up. Come on, Stevie. The show must go on. She dropped the object onto the white sand. A coil of rope. I stared at it and swallowed, seeing plans much graver than Fran running away. You brought rope? Good. I smiled. I just realized I'd forgotten to bring mine. What would I do without you? Get bored, said Fran and joined me, perching herself on the neighboring swing. She too kicked at the ground, generating a lazy sway. Sorry about today. I grimaced. Sorry? For what? I didn't even see you today. I thought you were sick or something. I know you saw me said Fran, gazing out across the playground. The dark hood and escaping wisps of copper hair, jet black in the wane light, hid her face. I was about to come into class late again, but I... Her sigh sounded more like a growl. I just couldn't, you know. I thought I needed it. The play's a good one, and an hour or two of being someone else felt pretty fine. But it's all just pretend. Fran, what's... I felt so bad at this. What's happened? My... Nothing. It's fine. Really, it's fine. Let's do something. We sit around doing nothing all week. Let's... It's time to do something. 
I took a deep breath and slowly let it out, my mind racing. Uh, would, uh, would you like me to give you a push? <laughs> Fran laughed and leapt off her swing, pulling back her hood. She stepped closer and wrapped her arms around me. I half returned it. Fran. She released me. <laughs> That's for being a dick. Keep it up. It'll help get this done. She picked up the coil of thick rope. Get what done? It's time for me to leave this world, my good man. In the darkness beneath the tall slide, Fran tied a knot at the end of the rope and tossed it upwards. With the extra weight, it graced the top of a horizontal metal bar, falling on the other side. She quickly fashioned a slipknot and threaded the length of rope through it. After a few quick tugs, the rope was secured around the high bar. Fran swung on it, testing the strength. This will do, she said. You can climb a rope, can't you? It's been a while since phys ed class. I can still climb a bloody rope. I replied. I peered up the bar about eight feet from the ground. Still don't know why we're doing this. There's a reason they took the first set of stairs away. It's meant to be dangerous. I don't want to climb up there just for the whole thing to collapse. The time she fell off the kindergarten slide and broke her leg. A horrific experience and one she may never have fully recovered from. Was tonight's stunt a fuck you to slides? Or the world. The situation at home was spinning out of control. Perhaps this slide was more than an ancient pile of scaffolding to her. It offered control. It offered resolve. To me, it offered a health and safety liability. What did your mom tell you about this thing? She said, taking the rope and enjoying another swing. I shrugged. Not much. Just that a little kid got hurt years ago. Makes sense, doesn't it? Kid gets hurt, take away the bottom steps, stop other kids doing the same. She said, body swinging and twirling. Why not just dismantle the whole thing? Build something else. I stared up through the construction. The metal stairway began just above the metal bar to which the rope was fastened. From there, it zigzagged to the high platform. Even a grown adult would have a job scaling the safety rate. Impossible for a child. How had the boy become injured? Because it would cost too much. Fran hopped down. Wouldn't it cost less to just make it safe? Remember, this was built when we were kids, Stevie. Renovations or... Yeah, just rip it down and replace it. Wouldn't cost that much. Everything in the playground was put in over the last few years. Except this. She banged her fist against one of the thick metal pillars. It emitted a low, sullen clang, like the toll of a church bell on a funeral day. It's one of those things, Fran. Just forgotten about. You're acting like there's some big conspiracy. It's just an old slide. A big, old fucking slide. Fran tossed me the rope. Show me then. Fine, but I think we're a little too old for ghost stories. What's waiting for us at the top? Spirit of a little boy, destined to slide down, down, down forever. I jumped and began to hoist myself up. <laughs> Fran glared up at me and smirked. No one's been down this slide for nearly 15 years since the accident. If this was a house, I'm sure it would be considered haunted. Can't you hear them, Stevie? The children. Laughing. Shut up, Fran. <laughs> I replied, choosing to concentrate on the climb. With some effort, I hauled my body up and onto the lowest step. Winded, I scrambled higher, 
increasing the distance from the edge. After brushing decrepit leaves aside, I sat down, puffing. How'd you go, Stevie? Fran called from the ground. Peering over, the drop seemed incredible. No sweat, I gasped, leaning back. Okay, my turn. Her boots scuffed the dry ground as she jumped to grab the rope. The tightening thread squeaked as she climbed. Her face appeared over the edge. Rather than let her struggle and possibly fall, I braved my discovered vertigo and reached for her hand, helping to pull her up and over onto the lowest step. Fran shuffled along and sat on the edge, leaning her shoulder against the vertical bars of the railing. She dangled her feet over the side. That's the hard work. Over. Yeah, I said. Would have been a breeze if they'd kept the stairs in. So why'd they take them away and leave the slide here to rot? Surely they'd recoup a little of the cash, a scrap, or or even sell it to another district where the public had no idea about the kid getting hurt. Fran chuckled. (laughs) Doesn't matter. When I fell off the kindy slide, nothing changed. You know, the teacher wasn't watching. That shit Bronte gave me a nice hard shove. Sent me sailing right over the edge. Fran shook her head. She gazed out across the park, but it was the playground some 13 years previous she saw. I have no idea what happened to her. I think her dad got a mining job, and they had to move, I said, trying to be helpful. Really? Bran shrugged. Well, good for her, I guess. I took a moment to study the profile on her face. Where had this new fixation come from? All this time, she barely mentioned the day she broke her leg. A breeze disturbed her hair. I relished its cool kiss. The metal of the steps had retained the warmth of the afternoon, and the effort of climbing the rope had brought on a sweat. I snapped from my enjoyment and grabbed the closest bar, sure the old construct had shifted in the easy wind. Fran caught my moment of panic and smiled. Relax. It's perfectly safe. The only reason we're here is that this thing isn't perfectly safe. I slowly released my grip and I gazed out from our elevator position scanning the rest of the playground for movement. An old busybody taking his dog for a late evening stroll would probably call the cops. Past the motionless play equipment, a large expanse of short, dry grass looked like a gray lake in the poor light. I hoped the night hit us from the street and that the distance smothered the dull, metallic clangs of our ascent. Thoughts of discovery motivated me to get this whole thing over with. Fran had forced this escapade for a reason, and the sooner we found it, the sooner I could get home. What did happen, I said. You really want to know? Not really, but you seemed determined to give me the full guided tour. Climbing to her feet, Fran leaned back, tugging on the railing, testing it. The metal refused to move. Still in good condition, she noted. Years it stood here in the elements... Summer's heating the scaffold and slide so hot you can barely touch it. Winter's blasting it with rain. Look at it. No rust. And you know what's weird? No graffiti. She had a point there, I realized, with some surprise. Even the toddler swings and crawl tunnels were sprawling with crude comments and permanent marker. The super slide had suffered none of this abuse. The shiny tube appeared spotless and freshly polished. On a clear day, you could see your distorted face reflected in its side. Not that anyone inched close enough. The boy was a year or two younger than us. Fran continued. Can't remember his name. I do know that he'd been here with just his mother, and he was about four. She let him come on the slide alone. She shook her head. Easy to judge without kids, but... Jesus, look at the size of this thing! How big is a four-year-old? She held up a hand. I guessed it about right and nodded. So apparently he goes up, right? Now this slide was never designed to be a death trap. No one wants to build a slide for it to be a super fun, happy suicide jump. 
Unless you're really determined, you can't get over all these safety bars and railings. Designers aren't stupid. There's not one gap, not one bit you can climb on, not one sharp edge. Worst that could happen is you could pass out if you're afraid of heights. I understood how easy this could be. We were on the lowest possible point with two more flights above us before reaching the viewing platform at the top. I'd never had a fear of heights, but now... She thought it was safe. Let him up here. He must have walked up these very steps, said Fran. She might have watched him from the ground. No one talks about this anymore. Just put it down to an accident. But my mom, she talks. Well, the wine talks. She told me all about it. Did he fall? I asked, picturing the terror-stricken face of the mother, watching her young son slowly climb each flight and plunge from the viewing platform. Striking the grass at that speed, he hit with a muffled bump. No skull smashing on concrete or a twisted body bouncing off a car roof. Just a somewhat anticlimactic thump as he hit the ground, his short life snuffing out. I closed my eyes, almost hearing it. What the hell are we doing here? Oh no, said Fran, pulling out a packet of cigarettes and a lighter. She lit one up, dragging in the dark, fragrant smoke and speaking through the pale cloud as she exhaled. Nothing as easy as that. Go on. According to my family... Her voice seemed to thin as she said the word. The boy reached the top, even stood on the platform and waved to his mom through the bars before heading toward the mouth of the slide. It's high, but safe, you know? And once you're in the slide itself, well, there's only one way to go from there. It's a tube, right? You go in one end and come out the other. Can't really get stuck if you're a kid. Can't fall out. It's a goddamn tube. She took a long drag on her cigarette. Ah, I said. This is like one of those urban myths. Some bastard had gummed razor blades along the inside of the slide. Am I right? This kid gets to the bottom and doesn't realize he's cut to ribbons. Fran stood. Come on, let's get to the top. Up the dozen or so steps, we arrived at a short platform crafted by the same scaffolding and metal panels, only to turn and carry on up the next set. Back and forth several times until the stairs concluded in a narrow walkway of a few steps, a rail either side, reaching the final platform. I emerged, expecting my newfound vertigo to seize me with terror, being up so high from the ground. Yet, the platform was wide and well lit, the haze from the moon caught in the shiny panels underfoot. I agreed with Fran in that the slide appeared brand new. The railings lining all four sides of the generous square reached my throat. Again, Fran was right, I had no chance of falling from this height let alone a four-year-old child. We're the first ones up here for so long, said Fran, stepping out onto the platform. She headed to the rear and pressed her body against the bars and railing, looking straight down. I turned my back on her to survey the front of the construct. Embedded in the wall of bars and railings at the entrance to the slide itself, I could kneel before it and stretch to touch both opposing walls. The ghostly lunar glow overhead failed to penetrate the metallic mouth. I approached it and noticed a small box had been built into the platform. Easier for the kids to climb up into the void. I ran my hand across its surface, expecting to feel grit from the bottom of countless little shoes and twin patches of wear as eager feet clambered aboard. The box felt smooth. Factory perfect. It's amazing, isn't it?" said Fran over my shoulder. 
I eased back, avoiding the circle of shadow. He stepped on this very box, said Fran, enthralled. The very last person to climb into there and push off. She leaned past me, her head and shoulders entering the metal tube. I imagined the tiny, fetid hands of the child grabbing her by her shoulders and yanking her inside. She called down the slide. Her own voice reverberated down the tube, tinny and distorted. We're meant to be quiet, I said and jumped to my feet. I gazed across the playground over the railing, checking the distant road for any sign of headlights. Jesus, Fran. Relax, no one can hear us. Look at this. So dark. I wonder what you can see during the day. Must be more than this. The slide curves, but maybe enough daylight is caught in the tube. The last thing that kid saw. I clenched my hands into fists. I'd allowed this farce, standing atop a condemned structure in the darkness after climbing a goddamn rope. I tried to get Frayne to open up about what had bothered her. If she wanted ghost stories, hell, we could light a fire and sit in comfort roasting marshmallows and trying our best to scare the pants off each other. This, this was... I know why we're really here, I said, and why you're trying to steep the whole thing in danger. It's just a slide. The moment we got here, you've been trying to make me afraid of it, as afraid as you are. She watched him from the ground, said Fran, ignoring me. She watched him wave and climb into the tube, It's just a slide, Fran. She could hear him coming down. It's just a fucking slide. Fran looked back over her shoulder from the slide entrance. The bright moon shimmered in her eyes. He never came back out, Stevie. How can we not remember something like that? Poor kid went in one end and didn't come out the other. Simply vanished. She peered back down the slide. Some place in there. That's why they never took it down. There was always a chance he might come sliding out one day. I took a deep breath, charting my course. Either her drunk mother had filled her head with horrific tales, or Fran had come up with this herself. Was this some kind of breakdown? Fran always had a flair for the melodramatic. Was this lost boy her own childhood? There one moment and gone the next? I thought about her brutish stepbrother and wondered just how far things had gone. And the slide, well, that part was clear. Besides her new alcoholic family, the time she'd fallen from the slide had been the most traumatic event in her life. Seventeen, she was still a child at home, but standing atop this high slide, staring down into the steep darkness, she had the power to overcome her anguish. One quick descent to the ground put lay one ghost to rest, while she struggled with more immediate, violent spirits. Right, I said. I'll show you. I headed for the slide and stepped onto the low silver box. Fran moved aside. What are you doing? I gripped the top edge of the wide rim and swung my legs inside. The heels of my trainers hit the inside of the tube, sending a dull thud echoing down into the darkness. I imagined the mouth of a great serpent, and I'd foolishly offered myself up for supper. After all these years, it would be hungry. So very hungry. I perched my behind on the bottom edge of the slide. You're not meant to do this, said Fran, wrapping her arms around my waist. What the hell are you thinking? Nothing's going to happen. I don't know what you had planned, that you would go down and disappear. That's how you planned to deal with everything? I'm going first, Fran, just so that when you go down, I'll already be there waiting for you. I can't go back, Steve, she said, gripping me tighter. I smelled the cigarettes on her breath. Never again. 
I reached up and stroked her head through her hair. We'll sort something out. I've never let you down before, right? She sighed. I wish we could go back to being little kids before any of this shit. Maybe that's what the night was about. We can do that, I said, easing out of her embrace. I flipped my body over and I lowered it deeper into the slide, holding onto the bottom lip of the rim. Already I felt where the tube curved into its steep descent. I grinned up at Fran. She dug into her pockets and pulled out her lighter. Altering the size of the flame, she lit a large, bright cone of gold. It flickered in her eyes. We can deal with all of this on the ground, I said. But first, we have a few seconds of acting like kids again. See what you've been missing out on on all this time. Before Fran could change her mind, I let go. <gasps> she grabbed a second too late and leaned into the tube after me. The dancing flame reflected in the curved, polished metal. Steve! I slid down, feet first, and on my stomach, looking back up the slide. Fran was perfectly framed in the circular mouth of the tube. The night behind her, swollen moon glancing the top of the trees. She peered down with her flame like an explorer venturing inside a discovered tomb or catacomb. Still smiling at her, I began to pick up pace. Fran stared down, past me, frowning in confusion. She opened her mouth, face contorted as her screams echoed down the slide. Down. Down, 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 down. Down, written by Daniel Russell, and performed by Gabe Templin as Steve, and Lindsay Kelly as Fran. The Samantha Winters episode was written by Brian Black. It was performed by Sarah Thomas as Samantha Winters, Alastair Mackey as Todd, Graham Rowett as Bob, Jason Wilson as Raymond, Allison Brandt as Jackie, and David Cummings as the Reverend Jonathan Hicks. Musical composition was by J.M. Scherf. Creative direction and episode art by Cassie Pertit. Social media management and Patreon support by Brooks Bigley. Videography is by Hale Scherf. Audio engineering and sound design was by me, Jason Wilson. Once again, another successful and wonderful episode. We do hope that you enjoyed Down by Daniel Russell. We certainly enjoyed creating it. We would also like to take the time to thank those who support us through our Patreon once again, and to any of those who have taken the time to leave us a five-star rating and a review. This is much appreciated and helps us in more ways than you can imagine. Lots of things are coming in the very near future. Some changes have been made, and we have a new direction we want to take with the podcast. Don't worry, nothing's going to be extreme. It's just going to be extra rewarding. That, I can promise. So, you can find out more by joining us on our social media sphere. You can check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, The Grey Rooms is streaming for free on Spotify. Just get the Spotify app or go to your web browser, Type in the gray rooms in the search bar and boom, subscribe and enjoy all the content we have on there for free. You can also find us on all other podcast formats like iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, etc., etc. Thank you so very much for the time that you have given us. We do not take it for granted. We truly appreciate you for supporting us. Always. Thank you. You are what makes this what it is. And the changes coming are super fun, and I can't wait to share them with you. Stick around. Things are going to get great. But till next time, we'll see you in two weeks.